Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, be sure to subscribe and so that you never miss another podcast. And if you love this podcast and want some more tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are a ton of instructional videos there below. But for today, my friends, for today, I would like you to take a big, deep breath. Because today, we have Travis Steffens. This fellow was born in Colorado, Cattle Ranch, quickly embraced entrepreneurship, founding his first company at the age of 18. His journey led him through challenges, including divorce, investigations, and fighting against drug and sex trafficking. But despite the hardships, Travis achieved remarkable milestones. He received an invitation to the State of the Union Address, shared, his st- shared the stage with the U.S. President, and built two groundbreaking tech companies. Driven by a passion for conscious capitalism, absolutely love that, Travis renovated neglected properties, empowering people to keep their homes. He also hired the homeless, providing housing, training, and healing modalities to help them reintegrate into society. The way that I would personally describe this is homeless to hopeful. Breathwork became a powerful tool in Travis's mission. He developed the BreathSource app, which I am using, and it is awesome, which is featuring breathwork instructions from the top experts. This revolutionary platform is on the brink of a monumental launch set to transform the way we access and experience breathwork. Travis, my man, the legend, welcome to the show. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that so much. Beautiful intro. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure, dude. Uh, so, th- it's it's kind of a it's kind of a, a broad question, but I I think that there's a quite a bit, quite a bit that we can go with. But how how is it that you impact the lives of others? Oh man, we all impact the lives of others every single day. Um, but I believe that the my story of impacting others is to see myself in the lives of all the others that I'm around every day. And the greater I know myself, the greater I can know them and the greater I can help the planet evolve through that process. I like that. So it's really, um, it's kind of like a, a fire of oneness. Yeah. It's one of the greatest dances I ever was blessed with was being able to fall in love with who I am and understand myself at that depth of a level so that I could be able to see myself and everyone else. And I think that's the greatest impact we can have is we think we're healing the world, but actually we're healing ourselves and therefore we can see the world through that. I really like that. <clears throat> so in this, uh, in this journey of developing and learning for your, from yourself and learning how to develop into the character that you are, what what would I have to understand about your past in order to understand the person that I'm chatting with right now? So the past is a fun word. Mm-hmm. Um, the <laughs> the everyone has a past, of course, and but it all comes down to experience. And knowledge is a book on a bookshelf, and people think knowledge is power, but it's not. Knowledge is is useless unless you know how to use it and wisdom is the ability to use knowledge so it's that we have knowledge and you have wisdom and there's a bridge between the two that has to be built 
and that bridge is experience and it's built one brick at a time through challenges and and through pain and through pleasure and through all the good things and so my journey to this day has a lot of bricks and a lot of challenges for, to utilize that experience so as you said born on a cattle ranch um, we had 1200 head of cattle 2200 head of sheep and uh, that's that's a pretty good size operation we lived way outside of town I was homeschooled for slave labor purposes and uh, not knowing it then as a kid I just felt like I was being used and abused <laughs> but now as an adult I couldn't be more grateful for the life that I led and for my parents and the beautiful life that they gave me. Um, growing up on the ranch, you're, it was it was so different from today's life because you have to learn how to do things. It's everything's put into your lap and it's not you're not walked through it. It's you have to figure it out. And so learning how to figure things out, learning how to fix equipment, um, drive tractors, be able to uh, take care of the cattle, the sheep, everything comes at a, a price and you have to learn how to do it. It's not something that's just, I mean, there's an innate sense in you, but there's not, it's not, everything's not taught. So going through that beautiful opportunity of learning all of that and diving inside of myself through all those opportunities allowed me at the age of 18 to start my first company. Um, most people that grow up in the city life or things where it's not as, it's not as uh, in your face, it's harder to take that step out. And so I jumped out and started first company at 18. Um, it was a landscaping slash tree company and built that up over the next eight years, sold that at 26 and went into real estate investing full-time at 26 and built that company to a national company and still work in the real estate field and um, fell in love with Breathwork, which is how we met. So super grateful for that and built the Source app and now here we are today. That's super cool. That's a, I think that that actually out of all that, the landscaping kind of makes sense to me. I think uh, for myself, my very first kind of flirting with entrepreneurship, I suppose, Mm -hmm. was uh, shoveling driveways. And I remember it vividly at the age of like 13, 14, and I would upsell the sidewalk for an additional five bucks. (laughs) Good job, man. But it it was like, I... I'm pretty sure in most places it is, but it was, it was, you could get charged for not doing your sidewalk. So it was almost like a no brainer kind of pitch, which is pretty funny. So I think, I think the sequence of events where it goes from to real estate into breath work. And I did, yeah, real estate into breath work. How, how did you get into that kind of a combination? Uh, so, <laughs> That is wild, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in the in the real estate world, I used to flip houses. So we flipped about 400 homes between 2006 and 2010. And in that process, we built a lot of systems and processes to be able to do that. And then I switched into multifamily housing in 2010. 
And we built some incredible processes through the multifamily housing that actually allowed us to accelerate over other companies in that space. And we were buying these properties in the roughest areas of the, of the state at that time. Uh, we were still in Colorado. And I was able to, to peer into the lives of people who I call that are in the forgotten shadows and have been swept under the rug, but these are the toughest areas. And so rents around $400 a month, um, slumlord conditions that you just can't even fathom. And when I would go into these areas, I would, I would see that there was an opportunity of newness. There was an opportunity to renew that area and bring it up to new. And yet I had this passion to keep the individuals in those buildings. Um, most people come into those areas, fix them up and do what's called gentrify. And they end up pushing the individuals that are in those buildings out and they end up pushing them around. And they see them as a problem. And that's, that comes back to the reflection of self. You can't see other humans as a problem unless you see yourself as a problem. And so I saw the beauty in these people and I saw the opportunity to be able to raise their conscious awareness of finances, which is financial consciousness, and raise the, the ability for them to receive and be accepted as love. And so we started to renovate these properties. We started to empower these individuals and the properties were in such a downtrodden area and such a bad place in the U S that we had a really tough time finding contractors that would work. And so I ended up having to build my own company, uh, construction company within the real estate company. So I built a construction company and then the hurdle became the fact that uh, no one would want to work in these areas again as an employee. And so if we hired someone, uh, they'd last a couple of days and then they'd blow out. And so I decided at one point there was, we were in Cincinnati, we'd grown national at this point. There was a bridge outside of this particular property uh, that we now call Joey's Bridge. And we went out underneath this bridge, we met Joey. So he was living under the bridge. His kids happened to be with him that day. They were in a foster home uh, that was pretty close. And he chose that bridge to sleep under because his kids were close. And so we picked him up under the bridge. We brought him inside. And to this day, Joey would still say that he thought we were going to literally harvest his organs and sell them. He's like, there's no way this is possible. It's too good to be true. But we brought him into the property and we onboarded him and gave him a place to live. It was a 130 unit property. So we had plenty of places for him to live. We furnished it, gave him a place to live. Um, and then we taught him a trade and a skill. And then we gave him the tools for the trade and then he became successful. And part of my journey along the way has become to fall in love, in love with biology and how the human body works and mesh that with spirituality. And breathwork had be, been a big part of my journey. And so I started teaching breathwork to these individuals as the story grew and people started to, we started to amass a, a pretty large subsection of formerly homeless people that we had taken in. 
And so breath work became a big part of the, the healing process. And they kept asking me if I could get them a video. And my classes with them were 45 minutes to an hour long every morning. And I couldn't video the video. I couldn't get it to them. I couldn't email it to them. They didn't have emails. There was just challenges. And plus it just the busyness of life. And so about three and a half years ago, almost four years ago now, I was sitting at the Thanksgiving dinner table and one of them texted me and I was with my family and they said, Hey, could I please get a breathwork video? Um, I, they were obviously struggling and I, I couldn't send him anything. So I sent him Niraj with Soma mm. and a few others links to YouTube, hoping they could get on YouTube and access it. And I just decided then and there that we needed to build an app for him. And so the breath source was born at that time. And that day I contacted uh, developers. I had built a software company, but we didn't code for apps. We were .NET coding. And so um, contacted an app builder and we started. So. That's freaking sweet, dude. Uh, something that's really cool from my experience of the breath source is, uh, so my girlfriend and I have been doing it basically every day for the last, for, for the last like three ish weeks. Uh, and I'm familiar with breath work and she started dabbling in significantly more this year and, uh, kind of like the Wim Hof styles or like the quicker pacing ones. She always found herself getting wound up and we just started doing them together. And that's been a really cool experience. And the videos are really cool. Like I'll be like, Hey babe, do you want, which kind of, which kind of breath work do you want today? And it's such, so user-friendly where it has, okay, you want to get for relax, energize, sleep, uh, clarity, heart, mind, coherence. Uh, and I, it's really cool. And she's gotten a lot more comfortable in sitting in the breath and being in her breath. Cause she didn't do holds and stuff like that. And we did one of yours yesterday too. And it was like, holy shit. Some of the, some of the holes were so long, but it was good. It was good, but it was, it was a great experience. It's cool. It's cool seeing. It's cool. I, I see myself as the middle person, like the middleman in between the breath app and then her and being able to see like, okay, this is how this breath app is helping her. So I imagine it's helping a solid chunk of people through that point as well. Uh, what, what do you, what do you find to be? So given the intensity, I would imagine sort of intensity of, uh, just the different plates, balls you have to juggle and the different plates that you're, uh, basically having on the tips of sticks, how does breathing play a role in your day-to-day -day life other than the obvious, like breathing but more so the intentional practice of breathing absolutely thank you for that and uh thanks for sharing about your practice that's beautiful so what's so awesome about breath work is once again comes back to the knowing thyself piece is breath work activates the autonomic nervous system so you have two parts of the autonomic nervous system you have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic sympathetic is your fight or flight and then the parasympathetic is the rest and rebuild and the fun way to remember that is if you think about both both pieces you jump out of a plane the sympathetic is the fight or flight 
and uh, it's the first one. So you jump out of the plane and you're freaked out, but you realize you have the parasympathetic para short for parachute. Pull the parachute cord, boom, it opens up. Now you can rest and rebuild while you float to the ground. And so when you talked about your lady and her having a tough time with the fast breathing exercises, um, she's getting into her sympathetic nervous system. And the nervous system runs our lives, whether we know it or not. And a child is programmed through the ages of one to seven. So from the ages of one to seven, they're in delta, especially from the ages of one to three, it's deep delta. And then from the ages of one to seven, they're, they're slowly, slowly moving out of delta where they come out of delta at age seven and they start moving up the, the ladder all the way up to alpha or beta. And they're in waking state. And so the cool part about coming to this physical plane and choosing to dance this journey is we all enter this place as a wiped iPod, well, iPad. Can't believe I just said iPod. <laughs> What's an iPod? I'm just joking. <laughs> we were a white technology. And um, we've got this thing in us called DNA that helps us remember who we are. But we're programmed through those years. And part of the dance of this life is is reprogramming to our grandest version of the greatest vision that we say we are through the rest of our lives. And by the time we're 35 years old, we've pretty much been completely programmed. And what's interesting is when you start to look at when people really start to go after the journey of finding themselves, it's really from 35 years old on. Oftentimes it's happening sooner, especially with females because they're far more advanced than the male race is as far as being in tune with self. And so um, breathwork allows you to tap into the deepest states of who you are. So plant medicine is the biggest rage at the moment. And um, you've got ayahuasca and you've got wachuma and you've got peyote. You've got all these different types of plant medicine. And they're allowing individuals to take the journey of self into in a very quick state and potentially reprogram who they are and find things out and make these these quick shifts, if you will. Breathwork allows you to do it without any medicine, allows you to go inside, tap into the deepest states of who you are, tap into that sympathetic nervous system and go, wow, why am I freaked out right now? And um, I was working with my friend and his dog last night, and I was showing him that everything is energy and how to work with the dog in a way where the dog only uses 5% of his prefrontal cortex. We use pretty much all of our prefrontal cortex. And that's why we uh, have this beautiful thing called an ego. And so because the dog doesn't have an ego, he senses energy. And so when I worked with the dog, I'm working with the dog's energy. And so the dog is responding to the energy, the frequency. And so when we get inside and we find this frequency of the sympathetic nervous system and it freaks us out, the more we tap into that and the more we take the mind out of the body, um, the more we take back our power in the instance of being able to go day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, and not respond to the world in a negative way, not allow the world to cause us to go into the sympathetic. We remain in the parasympathetic and the parasympathetic is the rest and rebuild. It's the rest and digest. 
And when we're in the sympathetic state, the blood from our organs goes to our extremities. And oftentimes the body will morph around pain and negative energy. So you'll see people who are overweight or their extremities have become balloon-like and Western medicine will give it all kinds of uh, symptoms or uh, call it all kinds of different things, but it's an energetic stuckness and you need to get the blood from the, from the extremities back to the organs. And the only way to do that is to drop back into the parasympathetic nervous system. And so your lady is learning how to use courage, dive into breath work as you as the guide, which is beautiful. I'm so proud of you for that. And then become friends with that sympathetic nervous system as a utilitary tool and then start to move it to the parasympathetic so that she can take the mind back from the body and take back control of her life. That is so well put. I, I love the, I love the parachute and parasympathetic uh, comparison. Now I, I'm going to be able to explain it so much more effectively. That was so good. <clears throat> that is so crazy. So when it comes to, when it comes to breathing or actually, no, this is, a, this is really, this is where I'm really curious because you mentioned before when we were chatting where it, when you were going from construction to con, or construction zone to construction zone, I guess, site to site, there we go. We were going yep. site to site. Uh, when you would go there, the, the, all the folks that were there would know, Oh, when Travis is here, we're cranking out some breath work. How have you noticed the, uh, the intentional practicing of breath work help with the folks that you're helping in the homeless communities? So, and you're right, it's funny because I, I, I'm a suit guy. I always wear a suit. And uh, it's when I show up at the properties, they would see me walking around and they would know that, yeah, we're going to have breath work in the morning. <laughs> so it's <was> awesome. <laughs> um, so there are so many modalities and there's so many things out there to help people reprogram, especially when it comes to Western medicine. Western medicine always, only in my opinion, um, I, I could go on about this for hours, but they typically just treat the symptom, not the actual problem. And so, and the interesting point about that is that if there was anyone on any medication that the Western medicine society had given them, so sometimes these homeless individuals would tap into the local homeless uh, programs and they would, they would instance psychologist. They would instantly take them to a shrink and they would uh, prescribe them medicine immediately. And we had a 100% failure rate with anyone that was, that was with a psychiatrist um, and on medication, 100% failure. We had an 80% success rate with anyone who was not on any medication, but it flipped to 100% failure if they were. And that's how messed up our society is with, not society, but Western medicine is with keeping people on these meds that just do horrible things to them. So the whole program that we built was built around Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Bruce Lipton's biology belief in falling in love with the future self. 
And so when you understand how biology works and that you're a sack of cells, you're, you're especially a beautiful sack of cells, my friend. Oh, thanks, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Sack of cells. And um, so Kyle has 55 trillion cells in his body. And those cells respond to your vibration. They respond to your thoughts because that's electromagnetic. They respond to your verbiage because when you speak, this thing called a voice box vibrates. And as we speak, the, voice, the cells do not hear this utterance called words. They hear this vibration. Um, and they go to work. They're little sentient beings. They're literal robots. And they do whatever you tell them to do. And then the environment that they're in also um, allows for that programming as well, because you've got these things called eyes and then these things called ears. And these receptors also cause programming because the body's not meant to age. Aging is a complete fallacy. Um, we're meant to live forever. But because we see what we think are people getting old and we hear what we say people getting old, it causes our cells to follow that trail, which is a total fallacy. And so in the homeless society, we would have to take them off the street. So when we took them out from underneath the bridge and put them into a, a housing unit, that did not heal homelessness. Some people think housing heals homelessness, and I will absolutely stand against that all day long. Houses do not heal homelessness. Homelessness is a mentality, and you have to heal the mentality before you can heal the homelessness. So we would take them out from underneath the bridge. That's step one. It's changing the environment. And if you don't change the environment that is reminding the cells that they're homeless or that reminding the cells that there's a problem, so regardless of what it is, changing the environment is one of the first things that you have to do. And I coach a lot of people that are in a state of illness and the first thing we do is completely clean out their house, literally throw everything away, if not move, because we have to create a new life so that the receptors called the eyes and the ears can see a new life and a new beginning. So we would take these people out from underneath the bridge. We're changing the environment. Then we would put them into a new environment. And that new environment would be a place of love and accountability and structure. And cells will automatically gravitate towards immortality. So if they're in a place of mortality, they'll still take on the mortality um, because that's what they're designed to do is take on the environment. But if you give them an option of mortality or immortality, they'll gravitate. So if you take a Petri dish of cells and you put healthy cells on one side and unhealthy cells on the other side, they'll automatically move to the healthy cells. That's how, like, makes me emotional even saying it. That's how beautifully designed we are, is to move towards health, move towards wholeness, move towards wellness. And so we've changed the environment. The cells are reproducing at 694,000 cells a minute. They're already starting to move towards that health. So every time a cell reproduces, it starts to to come apart like this so the old cell is dying the new cell is being born which is just fascinating in itself and it stops and it says wait wait 
is there new information that we can take into this new world? Because every cell is a world. It's its own ecosystem. And it's literally built like a human body, has all the same parts and pieces as a, as a planet, as a body. So it starts to come apart and it stops for a millisecond. Says, is there any new information we can take in to create a new Kyle? And then it, then it folds out. The old cell dies away and the new cell is born. And what's cool about that is when that new cell is born, your vibration at that moment in time and what was thinking and what was going on is now inside of that new cell. So at 694,000 cells a minute, and you take that and you multiply that out and you've changed the environment, you've changed that they're in a loving place, the cells will start to become a new person. And so then we would integrate vision boards, breath work, structure. And our goal was to get them to feel significance. If we could raise mm -hmm. the vibration from shame and guilt and all of these low vibratory um, parts and pieces based on the book, Power Versus Force, um, significance, we'll call it courage, if you will, which is that vibration of 200, if we could get it up to significance, um, they would start to change. And then it would be somewhat of a downhill slope from there. Nice. So it's just getting the ball rolling and then just perpetuating, perpetuate, perpetuate. Yep. And back to your answer, that was a long answer for your question, but um, <laughs> breath work allowed them to realize that the power within was what they were after the whole time. That's what we're all after. God hides right where you don't want to find her, which is right inside. Very cool. I think, uh, so I, before, before being introduced to you, I, re, and I believe I told you about this before, but I refer to myself, uh, often and it's, it's very much so a dichotomy. And I think that there's a beautiful, I think of it like a seesaw where there's always going to be a this or a that. And I believe it was Dr. Martino who said that there is 4,283 ways to describe uh, a person like uh, uh, angry, hateful, spiteful, happy, joyful. And he said, yeah, I went through all of these and I realized I had all 4,283 of the characteristics. And there's, I think understanding that there's a balance between, there's a balance, there's a, I think intentional living is a balancing act of all of those components. And so rather than thinking in absolutes, whether it's this or that, or this is good or this is bad, I think that there's more utility in having a gray area perspective or a little bit more of a broader perspective rather than a narrow perspective. So in saying that, I would describe myself as a capitalistic hippie because I like the, I like the, uh, I like the combination of it where there's a lot of in most like quote unquote hippie culture, it would be love of the earth, love of people, love for the self, a sense of oneness. And, but then there's also the idea that, oh, those people are lazy, but then we go over to the very far end of the spectrum and I'm just saying generalities, of course, but when we go capitalistic, it's like, oh, selfish or um, really focused on success or driven in a very narrow mindset, a little bit more structured and focused into a 
specific objective. And I think that having that in between is quite beautiful. And that's where beauty is. And that's where the most presence, in my opinion, is, is when we have when we have learned to integrate rather than balance. And when you when you talked about for it and said a couple times of conscious conscious capitalism, I believe it was, or conscious, yeah, that was it, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, I I think that that is honestly, I think it's a much nicer way of saying it than what I say, like capitalistic hippie. I also am like freaking. I'm a sucker for alliterations. So that's also a winner too. But how would you define a conscious capitalist? Um, so first of all, man, Dr. Demar, he is amazing. Um, Dr. Demartino is, I listen to him all the time. And so I love that you brought him up. So anybody who hasn't heard his work, I truly think he's one of the most advanced humans on the planet. Agreed as far as understanding the law of attraction, understanding why we're here and what we're here to do. Um, so capitalist hippie, I love it. Uh, nothing has the meaning, but the meaning you give it. Mm. So it's great. I love that. Um, conscious capitalism, in my opinion, um, the definition that I wrote out for that was that when you conduct business in an area Everyone voluntary or involuntary wins. So when you conduct business in an area, everyone voluntary or involuntary wins. Now that is not socialism. So I want to be very clear about that. Um, it is not giving things to people so that they like you. We would go into a pr property and you've got, two types of real estate investors, in my opinion. You have a traditional real estate investor and you have a conscious real estate investor. And traditional real estate investing, um, which I'll go as far as saying is crony capitalism, they'll go into an apartment building and they'll purchase it. And let's say it's a smaller building, it's 100 units. So they'll, they'll buy 100 units. And let's say it's 90% occupied. So you got 90 families living in that, that property. Those families are, are in a place of homeostasis where they're used to living in poor conditions. So they're paying $500 a month for these poor conditions. And their, their world is revolving around $500 a month for housing. So then traditional real estate investor A comes in and buys the building and they want to raise rents to $1,500 a month. This happens all the time. These individuals are probably making around 1700 bucks a month after taxes. And so there's no way they're going to be able to, to make it. So the investor buys the building and then serves eviction notices to all of them so they could get all of them out all at one time and renovate the building. So you have 90 families now that are, that are terrified these are not people like you and me that have families. They don't have trucks. They don't have access to money to move. Some of them have been in the building. I can't tell you how many hundreds of cases we've had where the individual rented that unit in 1975 and they're still in that unit today. And they have no family. They have tons of shit in the unit. They have no vehicle. They have no way to move. It's literally impossible. And they're living check to check every single month. 
and then they're forced out. So change is always good. So I'm, I'm going to stick to the fact that change is always a positive. There's never a time when it's not good. And it's even good if it takes your physical form and you transition from this life into source again. Um, but the pain that's caused during the change can be evolutionary or it can it can cause more suffering than it's worth for you to be able to have in this lifetime. So what we would do is we would budget to be able to take care of these individuals. And so if it was a hundred units, um, we would probably budget somewhere in the ballpark of 200 grand to take these individuals and move them. So there's, there's a lot of people in there that would not be able to afford the rent and we would find a place for them to be able to afford We'd literally go in and pack up the boxes. We would help them. We would lovingly take them to those units and we would move them in. We'd pay their first month's rent their, and their deposit and we'd move them in. And that change is good. It's really good for people to get out of a, what I call a rut. Um, we never want to be in a rut. Rituals are power. Ruts are the opposite of power. And so we would take them and move them in and they would start a new life. And then the people that could move, they would move. And we typically would identify those people pretty quickly. And then there were the people that could stay. And we had a nonprofit um, that would come in and we would empower them financially to take their lives back in their hands. And we would teach them how to manage their money. They were making, let's say, 3,500 bucks a month. And we'd raise rents up to 850, 900 a month and they would be able to stay. So that was our goal was to get them to stay. And then we would actually move them around during the process of construction. So I built a construction software company um, that software is called Sidewinder. And we would load the software and we would flow through the building and we would move around the people. And then as units were completed, we'd move those people into those units and everything was based around conscious capitalism and it was more expensive no question but at the end of the day the lives that we positively affected was far far more rewarding than any potential dollars that would have come from just kicking everybody out and it's just not who i am and i'm here to help people understand what conscious capitalism is and you have to be congruent with what you teach and preach. And it was a great way to be congruent and have that reward. And so that's how it was born. That's freaking sweet, dude. <clears throat> Very cool. I'm just like kind of st like letting everything kind of crock pot. I like to let it stew and just like sink in. It's, it's so it's so cool. Uh, so was it was it Joey that inspired this kind of uh, trajectory or was there a pivot or an experience where you thought, fuck, I got to do something or I want to do something or there was just a moment or yeah, anything like that that you can. No, Joey wasn't. So this had, this had actually been going on. So one breadcrumb leads to another. 
um, this started on a 40 unit building. Uh, when I was just getting into multifamily, this started on a 40 unit building in Denver, Colorado. And I pulled up to this building tile and it was 40 units. They said that they would take $450,000 for it. So $10,000, um, $15,000 a unit. No, just over $10,000 a unit, like 11.5. And so, which is incredibly cheap, right? So I pull up to this building and I see this beautiful brick building. And then I pulled into the back and I saw it was completely wrapped in plastic. So if it's wrapped in plastic, that means that it's become an environmental issue. And our silly government uh, in 1970s, they told everybody, they literally made it a code that you had to put asbestos in everything because insurance companies, asbestos didn't burn. So they wanted it in everything. And now they don't want it in anything. And if you have it, you're the devil. So the, the, the property had water leaks that caused mold and then there was asbestos and so they encapsulated it so i i went in to the building to look at it to buy it and it was so bad that other investors told the banks you'll have to pay us to take it so kyle's the bank and i'm like kyle i'll take this property off your hands but you got to pay me a quarter million to take the property off your hands the bank was considering doing this. This is how bad they wanted rid of this property because it had become such a liability. And I was willing to pay for it because this is what we were built to do was take down these really rough properties. So I went in and I found like 25 families living in the building while it was fucking encapsulated. Oh. And it gave me, I was born and raised on this ranch, out in the country, like, I didn't have any insight into what true slumlord was. And 70% of this, of the United States is low income housing. And the, the slumlord conditions that some of this low income housing lives in is unspeakable. And when I walked into that building at that moment, and I saw these kids and I saw these families living in this environment. Um, first, it, it's a, a tribute to how beautiful our bodies are and what they're capable of. Second, it's a tribute to how beautiful children are. And when the children don't know that there's anything different than this, they still live in a state of bliss. And it's just so magnificent. Um, how children are and then I was able to show them something different and so we took those people we purchased the property we put them in a hotel and then we moved them back into the building when it was done and um, long story short we bought the building for 400,000 and we renovated it filled it up and sold it for 2.6 million less than a year later and um, the point of that is we made a ton of money. We, we positively impacted every life that was in that building. We did it right. And we did it honorable and um, conscious capitalism was born in that property at that time. Man. Like I like to think of myself as a very like empathetic person. Like I can really, I feel vibes. I feel vibes. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's, that's something like I have on my whiteboard over there, uh, whenever for my podcast to have, I have it as a reminder, good vibes make for great guests. Uh, and something with that story, like, as you're saying it, like, I, I'm just kind of like resonating with it. Like I, I, I understand resonating with a desire to help. It's kind of like, it's, it's at the baseline. I think it's helping others. Uh, it's helping lift other, everyone up rather than taking advantage and pushing people down. And I think that that is like a beautiful way. So as you were saying it, I was like feeling it in my heart. Like I'm feeling it even right now. And I'm like, fuck dude. Oh, that's so good. Like it's, it's beautiful. Like I think, uh, my personal opinion, I think that with that alone, the the lives that are changed and the opportunities that are provided and the perspective and perception shifts and the actions and decisions that are not even provided but are introduced the utility is introduced to folks that be, may have believed they did not have that opportunity or that power within themselves i think it's cool how it's going from the inside out and I love that approach that you got going on with, uh, with your crew, with all the people that you worked with in that time. And it's, it's really cool. Like, I just wanted to touch on it because I just feel like such a visceral kind of like positive feedback loop going on. So it's just, I have to talk about it or had to talk about it or else it would just like stew. And then I just be like, Oh my gosh, oh my heart feels so good. Just got to get it out. That's amazing, dude. Uh, so for, <laughs> do, so for, so for the new, for the new tenants, do they, for their phones, do they have automatic breath source apps integrated into their, uh, <laughs> integrated yes. into their apartments <laughs> or their phones? <laughs> they definitely, they definitely will. Um, so we, we went through some really tough challenges during COVID. Um, I actually went through chapter 11 bankruptcy. And something I thought I would never have to go through. Um, I'm not familiar with when, Chapter 11 bankers. I'm not sure what that is. Chapter 11 is when you have a restructuring. Chapter mm, 7 it. is when you have to liquidate everything. Cool. Chapter 11 is when you have a restructuring. So we opened some of our biggest projects, uh, almost 50 million worth of projects in uh, April of 2020. And then the world shut down. And so things I never dreamt would happen, happened. People didn't have to pay rent, um, which was really tough because we were, we had properties all over the U S in areas that um, constituted people not having to pay rent. And so we lost 70% of our renting our pay. And then we had these other properties that were just opened up and the world shuts down. So um, we went through excruciating pain during that period so we wound down and the market as you probably know is ridiculous right now all over the world and we're coming into a giant market crash because everything that goes up has to come down as far as it went up and so coming into this market crash we're down to one property in ohio and it's actually selling in the next like 60 days and so um we're going to get back into the real estate game in a big way when the market tanks. And so at that point, the breast source will be given to all those people. And um, we're going to, we're going to do everything we did 
at a 10x level and take all the mistakes that we made and we're going to learn from them and the phoenix will rise out of that so that's pretty sweet yeah i guess the proof of concepts already there so if you're going 10x dude that's gonna be freaking savage i'm excited to see that i'll be watching <laughs> yeah it'll be super fun that's and i just bring fun. that up because we it all sounds like rainbows and unicorns but we go through shit that's where we grow um uh world-class sailor is never made world-class by sailing calm seas i like that uh, one that i like thinking of is uh um i use pain specifically as like a generalized term but pain is the blacksmith that forges us into the ultimate weapon where we are in the earth we are the iron ore we are comfy. We are protected from the elements. We are in our own little spot. That's like, oh yeah, this is nice. And either by choice or by chance, uh, we find ourselves out of our environment that we may feel comfort in. Because I think that comfort eventually depreciates. Whether we we cling to comfort as a security blanket, but I think it depreciates over time, no matter how um, dialed in we believe our comfort is. There's, there's no growth and no joy in comfort in my point, my point of view. And then Michael Easter wrote a book called comfort crisis. And that's what really inspired this kind of philosophy. Uh, and so, but either by choice or by chance, we're going to be pulled out of the earth and then we're going to be melted down and then we're going to be cooled. Then we're going to be beaten. Then we're going to be heated up. Then we're going to be cooled. We're going to be beaten. And this process repeats over and over and over again. And we can either become brittle and not handle the beat the hits. And then the very first time the sword strikes, it breaks, or we can make the choice of forging ourselves into the ultimate weapon and pushing into that pain and into that discomfort and into that uneasiness in order to sharpen the edge, become shiny as fuck. And maybe, I don't know, don't need to be a sword and a stone per se, but, uh, I think I think that the that that is absolutely where the discomfort is where the growth happens, where it really, really pushes. So, hearing the what you went through for the through the COVID period, and then knowing that you're going to go 10x on that, fucking sick. It's gonna be super <laughs> sick, dude. <laughs> like that's gonna be something. I love it. And you Thank know what? You. Success loves speed, delays kill dreams. That's for sure. Yeah. That's super cool, thank man. You, so that was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, oh man, I just had like three conversations just pop into my brain there. That was there was a couple of good ones in that one. Uh, where, what, um, where is this? Would you be able to define, if you've reflected on it before, what your kind of I guess baseline foundational mission would be or vision would be or the purpose behind doing the things that you're doing um i i the the let's see i've been around the sun 44 times and so the the 30 time around the sun side of me would have said, Oh, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to take over the world, all these things. Um, but as I've grown, 
and I've been through the forging, as you said, I start to realize that it's it's all about me, but it's not about me. And so Doctor Strange is one of my favorite movies. And uh and his his guru is passing away and they come out of the bodies and they go onto the astral plane. And in the astral plane there's no time, right? Time doesn't exist. And they they're out and they're hovering and they're she's watching the rain fall and it's moving everything's basically frozen in time and she's got a tear dripping down her face and she said i've, I've envisioned this moment forever but i couldn't see what was beyond it and dr strange doesn't want her to leave and he's like but you could come back you could be here and she's like no it's time for me to move on and and um they have this conversation and she looks over at him and she goes but you have to understand, Stephen, this life is not about you. And then it's over. But so he, the point of that is when we think that we're affecting the planet, we're outside of self, capital S self. And I had to learn that I wasn't healing anyone that I was actually the one that was healing and that those were all angels in my world that had agreed to come and to take that role. And it makes me emotional take that role so that I could figure out the grandest version of the greatest vision that I was of myself and how, how I could be congruent with that role. And so that was the greatest gift possibly that I was ever given was how to facilitate that role. And so my mission understandingly became that I was the mission and that I, but I couldn't make, I couldn't make it about me. And so it was about me, but it wasn't about me. And that's hard to understand. Um, it, because of all the angels that were put into my world, I was able to grow and to change. And at the same time, it wasn't about me. It was how I treated them. So I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I think, yes. And I think I, I actually have a, a thought, like a, something that I kind of say often when I'm kind of expressing uh, my my biggest changes <clears throat> or when I really started have when there was a hockey stick moment where it was flat, 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 and then like a hockey stick. If you have a hockey stick, just flat. And it's just like a huge spike. Yep. I can see that. I don't know what it's exactly called, but there's like a point when you see the trajectory of something. And then there's a point before it just takes off. Yep. And there's a word for that. I'm going to have to look it up so I can explain this better. But it was when my focus and my perception shifted from me to we. Mm. And when I, so what you're saying with looking at like the sense of like developing others as a way to developing the self and healing others as a way of he healing the self. I refer to most of my posts, most of the stuff that I write, I very seldom say I, unless I'm trying to be like ruthlessly critical of whatever it is that I'm doing where I'm like, you got to pinpoint this dude. You got to. 
But outside of that, I refer to things more in a we sense, like, oh, we do this. To da, 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 da. And when I shifted it from the we, I, I found myself significantly, well, less um, driven by a selfish desire to relieve myself of some sort of discomfort or temporary pain that I was kind of perceiving. But it helped me become more compassionate and more empathetic mm -hmm. and wanting to be someone who's a facilitator of positive change. So I'm, I'm, I'm not the person to create the big perspectives and shifts and along those lines, but I know that I'm a facilitator and by my existing as a sense of we, I can connect with people more and I want to be a contributor however I can in that kind of way. And yeah, so that was, that was kind of the thing. So when it went from me to we, then it was kind of like, so when you're saying that, that's what resonated basically. That's, that's beautiful. I'm super proud of you for your awareness on that. And when Dr. Wayne Dyer transitioned, um, his granddaughter was very, very close to him. And she was visited by him after his transition. And he said, it's so everything is everything that I thought it would be. It's, it's, it's more beautiful than words could pronounce. And he said, he said, but I have to tell you something. I was wrong the entire time. And she said, what do you mean by that? And he said, it's not the I am, it's the we are. Because we're constantly doing this I am thing. Let's let's talk about our I am statements. Let's write the I am statements. And it's not the I am, it's the we are is what he told her. Mm. And what I love about that, and this comes all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, our cells are little sentient beings. And it really resonated with me. Um, the chills that you probably just got when I, when you heard that is the same chills I got when I heard it thinking it is the, we are because our cells are part of the, we, we live in this quantum field. That's all connected. That's all part of the, we, and the word, we granted it's the word, but it's the unity. It's, it's, it's non-duality. And um, so it made total sense. I really like that. I have this kind of, the way I kind of, the way, when I thought of this we kind of component or the we are, that's so good. When I thought of it, I, I like the, the saying for on the Emerald tablets, where it's as above, so below as without, mm -hmm. so within. And then there's the third part, but I forget what that part is, but the way that I kind of explain or talk about what my, I think, I think the, the, the cells that we're talking about are kind of similar to us as cells within the universe. So as above, so below, as without, so within. And so if you and I, or the people that we see around are just a bunch of little universes that are walking around, <clears throat> that would make the only difference between you or I is our consciousness because we're both birthed some from the same point in time. And mm -hmm. realistically, so we're made up of the same hydrogen it's hydrogen carbon and there's a, a third one as well i forget which one it is but that makes up the human body but also makes up the universe so if the consciousness is the only separator then the consciousness in my mind would be what would be the closest thing to our 
uh, our internal environment, our little internal creatures, those microorganisms, our consciousness is the God for the universe. And with that, we can be uh, a, a benevolent God, or we can just be assholes. <laughs> and I think that with that consciousness, we are the creators of the organism of the universe within us. And I think yeah. that as a whole creation is along those lines. And it's interesting because I think of this from more of like a, there's a little bit more philosophy and science in my kind of theory or mathematics, even in my theory, than there is from a theological standpoint. And I think that's, I, I make that distinction because I've never found myself to be a quote unquote religious person, but I would definitely consider myself to be more so like more in tune with the spiritual kind of component. And I think that there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of creativity from that point of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, think, it's beautiful. I think um, I, I, I like saying to people like keep up the kindness and keeping up with that kindness perpetuates positive progress rather than perpetuating past pain into the present. I love that phrase though. Keeping up the kindness, keep up the kindness. That's great. Yeah, man. It's a yeah, nice you're absolutely right. All of that is absolutely right. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, it's so cool. Man, so neat. So just because I think it's kind of an interesting... So I, I would imagine that the way that you're kind of going about the main industry that you're a part of, there's a little bit less to a, a spiritual component or there's less brain and heart coherence. How do you just kind of just focus on your own thing? Is there ever any folks that are outside of that world that thinks it's kind of odd or has anyone ever mentioned it at all? I'm just kind of curious on that one. Yeah. Um, the Inherently, everyone wants to either do good or be seen as doing good. And so they all want to be part of it until it actually comes down to doing it. And then that's where they fall to the wayside. And to be honest, the toughest part of my journey was investors, getting people to invest into these projects because they weren't sexy. Um, the numbers were too good to be true. And using homeless individuals for construction scared the shit out of them. And yet at the same time, we were four times faster than anyone in the country, Kyle. And the 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 progress, the the construction um, process that we built was the Henry Ford model of construction. And um, we would only ever give anyone one thing to do for an entire project, so that we could teach them how to heal, get them to focus on one singular activity, become a master at that activity. And we built everything around that, and. It just, it was, people are afraid of what they don't understand. And so uh, everybody wanted to be part of it. Everyone wanted to, I mean, can't tell you how many investors are like, okay, we're going to fund you, but we want to take the credit. Mm. This was an ongoing constant thing. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Um, and then people would say, well, you got to protect this IP. And I'm like, if anybody wants to try to do this, I, I even said it in front of Trump. 
he was up on stage and, and he called me up and I was up there and I said, we'll give this IP to anyone. We're not holding anything secret. If you can change the world and take on homelessness and do what we're doing, we will help you. And um, so I just went on a little bit of a tangent there, but um, most people wanted to be part of it until it actually got down to it. That's pretty cool. That was such a freaking savage rate. First, first sentence answer to the question, want to do good or be seen as good. I'm going to, that's going to be in the back pocket too. I'm going to put, <laughs> that's going to be in the utility belt, my man. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think it's a, awesome. also a really good reflection question. It's like, well, is it that you want to do good or do you just want to be seen as good? And I actually think that I totally agree with that where <clears throat> I put it, I put refer to it as a pseudo morality where people want to have the appearance of having high morality or high moral uh, values. But when it comes to the actual uh, resolving of whatever is associated with the morality, there's no action being taken on that. And I think that that incongruence, that out of alignment is just, well, the, the mind the mind sees those two things and doesn't know which to believe because the actions are going one way and the beliefs going the other way and there's no like congruence within, there's no alignment. And so there's always going to be an internal storm of, I would, in my opinion, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, it'd be like self-pity. And it's like, oh, I have all these good feels, all these good values, all these good ideas, all these things, but there's no behavior behind it. And then- or I'm definitely speaking from personal experience, like a little further back, but I think about it as like, oh, uh, there's there's the lack of increments. Why is it? Why is it that the world is not changing to my perceived morality? I think that's where it kind of came in in my earlier twenties. Now that I think about it, hmm. that's a neat. Reflection. Yeah, no, that is a really good reflection, man, and that's great awareness. And the congruency is everything. If you're not congruent, you're you're living in hell. Hell's on this earth, heaven's on this earth, and incongruency is. It, it, and Doctor Joe Dispenza talks about this all the time. You're not punished for your sins; you're punished by your sins. And incongruency, if we want to use the word sin, it's a punishment. You're punishing yourself. You're holding the coal in your hand, thinking it's hurting the other person, and that's incongruency. So great job with that. Thanks, man. Dude, there's like so many good parts. And there's so many, uh, this is freaking fantastic conversation. I actually <laughs> find myself when starting this podcast venture uh, that I am so grateful to have been able to, or to be able to chat with so many cool people that have such powerful insights and takeaways. And it's been such a, such a cool growth journey for myself where there's been such amazing developments in being around more people that have such a, a not a higher vision but a vision of so much positivity and basically i just thought of a reflection had a moment of gratitude just wanted to share the gratitude <laughs> that's beautiful i love it oh man so In saying all that, my man, there's not a question that's popping up right away. Is there anything that 
I didn't ask or didn't touch on that you could kind of think of on the on off the top of your head? Um, no, you had talked about a an exiting piece to the puzzle, and we talked about the mirroring piece, and I just I can't I can't encourage people enough that changing the world is changing yourself. And it's not because you're bad or anything's wrong with you. The first thing I tell people when I work with them is nothing is wrong with you. And I have them write it down. We and Nothing is wrong with me. And it's just part of the journey. And so finding the mirror in yourself with everyone around you, no one is in your present moment that you didn't ask to be there, that's not a reflection of who you are in that moment in time. And so find yourself in everyone and fall in love with that within them so that that can heal within you. And as you grow and as you rise, different opportunities will show up. Mastery is not the fact that nothing shows up in that master's world it's the fact that when pain swings their direction, they just stay in it less time. And so, and then that boils down to the final piece of the puzzle is discipline. Discipline is truly the first and foremost foundation of enlightenment. And there's no reaching enlightenment. It's just not the body that won't need to be here anymore. And the lights will come on. And that's why people like, um, Yogananda, you know, they leave this planet at 45, 50 years old because they don't, it's truly the dissolution of ego and the unity has arrived. There's no reason to be here. So the ego is why we're here. It's fun. It's blast. Kyle and Travis talking and all this other shit, but discipline is the foundation. Absolutely. I do like the, the Ryan Holiday book, Discipline is Destiny. It's really good. Yeah. Man. Well, well, Travis, my man, uh, before, before I get into the, the closeout questions, which I'm very excited to ask you, but, um, I just want to say like, thank you very much for being on this podcast, dude. I think that you're contributing, uh, your, the contributions that you're bringing to the table are, uh, very inspiring to me. And I'm just seeing, uh, more clarity in the vision of what I could possibly do in the future. And yeah. I think, I think that that's very cool. Now that I know the IP stuff is for free. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really like, I really appreciate what you're doing. I think the breath source app is amazing. I would highly recommend anyone going there. There's a, all the, all, even the free version and the paid versions, both are amazing. And then there's plenty, there's no way that anyone's going to get through all of the free version. Like I highly doubt it. There's so many videos from so many great breathers i suppose and great instructors uh and even before this app came out many of the people that are the coaches or the practitioners i've had on youtube as well i've like niraj dan vendai uh that that um take a deep breath mark i believe his name yeah and then who else i i think it's he seems like he's Norwegian, but I'm not sure if it's Michael or Mikhail. So I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. Mikhail Biker, yeah. 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 His, he's actually one of the newest ones. He's one of the newest ones I've been introduced to and it's awesome, dude. Like the breath, awesome. the breath source app 
is amazing. I think that's amazing. I think what you're doing is amazing. And I just want to say thank you for your contribution and what you're doing for uh, the we. It's my pleasure, brother. Thank you so much for the gratitude. I appreciate it. For sure. So my man, the first question, and I I think I'm excited because I think you're a a reflective person. So I think you may have already thought of these, but uh, the first question is setting the scene. You're, you're on your deathbed. Obviously it's super lighthearted and you are surrounded by the people that you care for your loved ones. Uh, What is the piece of advice that you'll pass on? Um, That's a great question. The piece of advice that I would pass on laying there would be it's all perfect. It's all perfect. And to act as such. Mm. Every moment is we fight so much of the time of what we think it should be when all the time it's actually perfect. That's what I would give them. That's a good one, dude. That's a good one. Then the last one, this is a fun one. So the best version of you, what you envision to be what I would call the role model, uh, is sitting right next to you and wants to give you one piece of advice for the season of life that you're experiencing right now, what would that version of Travis say to you? That's a That's a beautiful question. And I have to bring this up in that instance. Um, hell on this earth is meeting the person you could have been. Yeah. And so having the best version of me sitting beside myself I would hope I would find heaven within it because I would hope that would be, I would be in that achievable moment. Very cool. Oh, so yeah. So the, I believe that that person would tell me to follow my highest joy. Uh, Bashar, who's one of my favorite channelers. Um, one of his top five things is always follow your highest joy when you sit there and you think something through and you have plan A or plan B find the joy the highest joy and follow that highest joy because it will always lead to the next highest joy to the next highest joy which will always lead to as Abraham says your rockets of desire will lead to that high flying disc Oh, I like that. Oh, shit. Okay. That took a second. I'm like, okay. That is super cool, my man. Well, thank you very much for sharing. Um, finally, where where can people find you? Um, So my Instagram is, uh, which I'm brand new to in the last five months, um, is Travis.Steffens, S-T-E-F-F-E-N-S, Travis.Steffens. The Breath Source is on Instagram and all the other platforms as well. And then my real estate investment company is rinvestments.net, just the letter R, 
investments.net and the breath source is on android and ios and you can go to either of the app stores and download it and of course online and then we have revolution coming up which is the world's first breath master curated breath retreat we're flying all 27 breath masters in from all over the world and it's going to be a three-day retreat in in um in tulum mexico um we're buying out the whole resorts and it's going to be three days of of speed dating breath workers and so they're all going to be going through the breath classes and you'll be able to move through all the breath classes and we're going to have 30 cold plunges on the beach set up and we'll have all the masters of cold plunges teaching cold plunges on the beach and it's going to be epic so please be there Oh yeah. I'm already like literally two days ago, uh, Kendra and I have regular date night. We have designated date nights, non-negotiable date nights on Wednesdays. And, uh, yeah, we were talking about it and that was one of the things that's like, yep, we're going to be going, we're going to be going at that time. It's going to be freaking awesome. So it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. I love that. That's great, man. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's, it's also on my bucket list to go to Tulum to work out in the gym. You know, the Tulum gym. Yeah. I want to go to that shit, man. That's going to be so good. Yeah, it's very cool. All right. Well, folks, that is what I've got for you today. And if you love today's episode, please do me a favor right now. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me with my handle at DapperDudeKyle along with at Travis.Steffens. That is one of the ways that we grow. And until next time, I hope your day treats you as good as you look. Continue being kind. And I will have the links for everything that Travis mentioned in the description below. So be sure to check it out. And, you know, I would think it'd be pretty cool that you as the listener, if you came along and checked out the retreat as well, reach out to either of us and we'll figure that out. I think it'd be awesome. So outside of that, keep up the kindness and I hope your day treats you as good as you look.